Before we get started, I wanted to say a big thank you to the patrons of the podcast, bringing you today's episode. You can find out more about supporting the show and accessing bonus episodes at patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 73. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today I'm chatting with Nell O'Leary about finding faithful friends and identifying our God-given gifts. Nell shares about her journey of finding and building community and the struggle we can sometimes feel in seeing and using our gifts in motherhood. We also talk about the importance of making tiny changes and suffering well. Thanks for listening in today, friends. Here's my chat with Nell. Hi, Nell. Thank you so much for joining me today. Amber, thank you so much for having me. Could you start us off and tell us a little bit about you, about your work, and about your family? My name is Nell O'Leary, and I am a native of St. Paul, Minnesota, who went away for grad school and work and then couldn't resist coming back to the land of the frozen tundra. Yes. <laughs> It is frozen. (laughs) Um, I met my husband in law school, so we're both attorneys, even though I don't practice anymore. He's a Nebraska native, but I said, hey, Minnesota's better. So here we live in St. Paul. We have four kiddos, eight, six, four, and two. I work part-time for Blessed Is She, which is a Catholic women's ministry, but mostly I'm at home wearing my sweatpants, taming temper tantrums, wiping bottoms, that whole business. That's great. I love it. Um, we actually used to live in Minnesota for a while. We were in West St. Paul for about no six years. Yeah. So we we loved it. And um, I don't miss... We're in Ohio now, so we still get winters, but not quite as intense. <laughs> so oh my yeah, yeah. The, the snow emergencies, the digging yourself out of a ditch, right. the below zero temps. Oh, my, well, West St. Paul, right across the high bridge from me. Yeah. Lots of friends live over there. It's so great. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And I love that you work for um, Blessed Is She too. What an amazing ministry. And um, I've had a couple other ladies on who have been um, writers um, with Blessed Is She. And yeah, I just love that. So, so great. Could you tell me what comes to mind when you think about how you personally live out the Great Commission as a mom? The first thing that comes to mind is I can only give what I have. Mm. So as I'm trying to educate my children, bring them up in the faith, be a patient wife and homemaker. If I'm not already deeply rooted in a relationship with our Lord, in receiving the graces from the sacraments, mm. in knowing and owning my faith, I simply don't have anything to draw from. I, I can't impart it to my kids and I can't lead a more more faithful life, more faith-infused mm. life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that. So for you, what what does that look like? How do you make the Lord and your faith uh, a priority? You know, especially as a mom with little kids, this is going to sound weird, but one of the biggest things has been finding like-minded friends. Mm. Because I, I don't have a ton of time to do daily mass. You know, I, I can't always get to even my holy hour. Um, you know, my days are not filled with this beautiful flatly of my scripture open and my tea warm and like praying yeah. for uninterrupted for hours on end. That That's just not my life with little kids. I'm sure it's not many of our lives mm-hmm. with little kids. So to adjust and to adapt and say, okay, I can pray a little bit throughout the day. The women that are encouraging me and influencing me are also trying to lead a holy life. Because mm-hmm. you know how it is. It's so easy to just 
unload and complain, which is, it's, it's good to share about the burdens we're carrying as moms. But for me, I would find myself getting so negative and uh, in my own mind feeling almost like I was drowning, like drowning in little kids who will always need me. I will never be able to breathe. But when I reach out to my moms who share that faith in that faith in the Lord and that faith in our, our beautiful Catholic tradition, they could remind me that this will pass. Yeah, This is sanctifying. Use this suffering. There's, there's a reason for this suffering instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, I just want to escape where I am. I love that you mentioned that. I'm personally in a, a Blessed Is She women's group, which has been awesome. I, I really love having, as you mentioned, like that like-minded, um, just being with other women um, who are uh, there to encourage me and um, hold the same values. And so I know you work for Blessed Is She. So I'm guessing, are you part of a, a women's group with that as well? Or even is it just with the staff that you have that community? You know, I'm so lucky. I have it in a couple of different places. I have it with my fellow writers. Uh, I did start a group at our parish, and then I have a small rosary group that we do the studies, and um, it's a, it's only six gals that get together. So I have a couple different pockets yeah. um, of women. But something about that that I think I didn't realize, and maybe, maybe you've already realized, is that those relationships take a really long time to develop. Mm. So for people who are feeling panicked that they have a toddler and a baby – and they don't have these deep, amazing, you know, phenomenal Catholic women friends. Like it, it took me eight years yeah. starting from scratch. I, I, when I moved home, you know, we got married, moved back here from my federal clerkship in Las Vegas. I didn't have a single friend. I mean, I had like people I knew from high school, a couple of people I met like through various other people, but I didn't have, I was pregnant with my first, didn't have any mom friends, nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's okay that those relationships do take time mm. to develop. Yeah, but, but being a part of Blessed Is She and having a Blessed Conversations group has been wonderful for finding those connections. Something that I think Blessed Is She does really well that um, I haven't really found in a lot of other places is this idea of like multi-generational kind of community where the women who, you know, are a part of Blessed Is She aren't necessarily all in the same life stage. Like for example, even in my women's group, not everyone in my group is married or moms and, you know, Mm. we're different ages. And, um, I've just, I found that so, um, refreshing. It's kind of nice to have that multi-generational different perspective kind of thing in community. Um, have you found that as well? Or where did that come from? I don't know if that has always been kind of in the plan of like this, when Blessed Is She started, that that would be an aspect of community. So when Jenna Gieser founded Blessed Is She four and a half years ago, that was absolutely at the forefront of her mind. She did not want it to simply be another mom's group or another single gals group. She loved the fullness of the church so that like even our writers, we have a college age gal all the way up to a grandma. Mm women in all different ages and stages, because we do, that sisterhood is real. We have so much to learn from each other. Hey, mom's groups are great too. Not knocking mom's groups. I've had mom's groups. They're wonderful. But especially when it comes to integrating our faith in our life, we really have a lot to learn from each other. And what brings us together is closer than what pulls us, you know, like our differences are not, they're negligible compared to we're all trying to be seen. Mm. We're all trying to grow in our faith and we can help each other. Yeah. My group has a we have, we have a grandma who comes. We have a couple older gals who come. And one of them is just, she's a prayer warrior. She 
and one of the younger moms in the group have a really special bond. They actually met in one of our regional Facebook groups. The younger mom had asked for prayers. They were moving to Minnesota. She needed help, like a prayers that they could find the right house. And this older mom, who's, she's my neighbor. She's just down the block. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. She just prayed so hard and they developed this prayer relationship. And now we're wow. all in a group together, which is, it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. So Nell, I, I wanted to ask you because you recently, and I think this ties into community and friendship as well, because you recently launched a course that um, helps women kind of identify and use their gifts to grow communally, but also, you know, personally and spiritually. Um, so I'd love for you to just maybe tell us a little bit about that and why or how you became so passionate about um, helping women identify, you know, their unique gifts and how to use them. Oh, thanks for asking, Amber. Yes, the, the course is called the Gift of You series, and it's something that people can find through our website. But I launched this course in large part in response to what I heard women say over the last couple of years of Blessed Is She, but in particular the last year, hearing women say they think they have nothing to offer, they have not, they aren't using their gifts, they are feeling so unfulfilled in you know accessing those talents that God has given them. And a lot of it was tied in with social media, seeing other people launching a launching a product line, launching a this, launching a that, doing all of these amazing visible to the world activities that do garner and rightfully so a lot of praise. But most of us are just doing work in the quiet of our homes, in the quiet of our office, leading a pretty boring life and feeling sometimes a little bit like, well, what's passed me by? What have I not done that God's put on my heart? What have I not been able to do? What what am I even good at? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just, I'm buried in life. I don't even have time to figure out what I do love, what Mm -hmm. I am passionate about. So the course, it starts with a really fun little assessment test I wrote. And I got to tell you, writing tests is much harder than it seems. (laughs) Kudos to all those teachers out there who are writing good, good exams. So there's a little, like a little assessment test that puts you in one of nine different categories and their characteristics that come along with them. But so that's, that's the more like, oh, you know, you're getting an assessment. Okay, blah, blah, blah. But then the interesting part really for me is the other four sessions take you through scripture, the saints, the catechism on these different topics in our faith on why do we need community and building authentic sisterhood on how do you practice being in the presence of God on the gifts of the Holy Spirit on these different topics. And then I was able to say, okay, if you're this personality type, this might be a struggle that you have in prayer, prayer and identity. So here are some suggestions on how you can tackle that, approach that. Here's some scripture to fortify you. Here's some saint quotes. So it's not just Nell talking like a big pep talk the whole time. <laughs> it's really uh, an examination of all the things our faith have to offer us to feel, to leave women feeling equipped to whether that's super introverting out, great. Or that's going out into the community doing something, great. Yeah, uh, so less of an aptitude telling you that you should be a lector at church sort of series and more looking at who you are because the more we know ourselves as a gift, the better we're able to give ourselves to our people in our community, to our loved ones, and then ultimately give the gift ourselves back to God, mm. right? That's that's what we're yearning yeah. for. That's what we're longing for in this, in this veil of woe, in this... Is a ship that we're on here on earth. Mm. 
Yeah, I love that so much. I, I'd love to ask you more about, I, I think specifically, yeah, I'll come at it this way, as, as moms, um, sometimes when we become mothers, we kind of feel like, and I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it, but like that we kind of lose or forget like other parts of identity or think like, oh, mm. wait, what are my gifts again? <laughs> because I'm, you know, giving of myself so much every day that, um, that I forget, or I'm just not aware. I'm not thinking about it. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering as moms, um, or maybe, I don't know if you can speak into this at all, if you have felt this at all, like where you've seen your gifts that maybe originally were used, um, you know, with school or when you were working and then um, transitioning into life maybe for some women as a stay-at-home mom or as a mom and still trying to work full-time or whatever it might be, it you know, you kind of go through that uh, transition a little bit. Did you, did you feel that at all when you transitioned into motherhood? Oh my goodness. I felt that so hard, Amber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hard. I, yeah, I've been a practicing attorney. Um, I knew in the back of my head that I wanted to stay home if I had kids at some point. And then a couple months into marriage, we conceived our eldest and I was incredibly sick. And all my pregnancies I've been like throwing up nine months, IVs, just sick, sick, sick. So it was a huge wake up call to, oh, I, I don't just look glowing, have a little bump, pop out a baby and get back to my life. <laughs> no, I'm like right. dragging my body to the toilet, feeling very discombobulated. And mm -hmm. in some ways, rough pregnancies are a way to prepare us for what's to come for that transition. Mm -hmm. But when I transitioned away from, by the time I was pregnant with our second, I, I wasn't, I had stopped working as an attorney. I was doing some volunteering still, but was really just at home with kids that were 22 months apart. And my husband would leave in the morning, be gone 12 or 13 hours. And I would just think, take me with you. <laughs> yeah. now, I wanted to, I wanted to be at home with my kids. I'm so lucky we could make that work that I could, we could afford mm -hmm. to have me not working. So that's an incredible privilege. And I certainly am very grateful for that. But it also was a huge loss of identity. My identity mm -hmm. had been being a high achiever, accomplishing things, producing things. And now I had nothing to show for my day. And I did mm -hmm. feel like I not squandering my gifts, but certainly adjusting my expectations to what I would be able to do and produce. And it, for me, and I'm sure for, for a lot of us, it made me realize, gosh, my identity and my worth does not come from doing. Mm. It comes from being a daughter of God, mm. being a daughter of the King. And that's like, yeah, you see it on like a t-shirt or a tote, like, oh, daughter of the King. You think, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Hashtag great. But genuinely to slow life down and say, maybe I'm not producing what I, I wish I were. Maybe I'm not able to do what I want to do. Yeah, I'm juggling the working and the babies and my husband's out of work or I've got a, a family member who's sick and I, I have so many balls in the air. I'm certainly not sitting around thinking like, oh, my life, my gifts, but that our, our worth and our dignity doesn't come from what we do. But that was a huge, huge hardship for me to learn that, embrace that. And uh, it's still a process. There's still times where I, I I see other women accomplishing things and looking fabulous. And I, I feel like, oh man, I've been left behind me and my messy bun, frumpy mom over here. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are, there are different seasons for different things, but 
For anyone who feels that way, you are not alone. Many of us, and I think all of us in some capacity, have experienced that transition to motherhood. It's rough. Yeah. Legitimately rough. Would you say that, you know, where you are in your life now um, as a mom, do you feel like it's like brought out new gifts and aspects of your personality or do you feel like maybe you still have those same gifts, but you're using them um, differently? You know, one of the things that I love to do, and I think we can gauge our gifts often by what brings us joy, what we love to do. I love to bring women together and mm-hmm. to see them connect with each other and to amplify their voices or their relationships. Or I I love to bring it together and watch it happen. That's something yeah. that just gives me great <laughs> joy. Well, like you, Amber, you're bringing all these women together in your podcast and mm-hmm. helping us share our stories. You're a big amplifier too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, having kiddos that are a little bit older, having you know, an eight, a third grader, a first grader, not just, you know, I had three kids under three, three kids, three and under at one point. Mm-hmm. And I was not really bringing people together at that point. I mean, I, I did run a mom's group in my parish, but it was very very challenging to even get out the door, even to dress myself, go to the bathroom alone. I mean, all, all of mm-hmm. those things. So I think yeah. at this stage, having kiddos that are a little bit older, I'm able to do things like take a little bit of time to actually nurture my spiritual life, to actually try to listen to the Lord, to actually try to see like, where is he wanting me to go next? What is he wanting me to focus on? Uh, you know, in my, in my work for Blessed Is She, in any time I do take away from my family, is it something that is going to be good for me or for my family. Ultimately, I'm able to kind of, kind of assess things and view how I'm going to use my gifts a little bit differently. Cause I'm not just in a dumpster fire of mm-hmm. everybody, everybody crying, poop, yeah. potty, <laughs> throw up. I mean, everywhere. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's good to realize the different stages too. Cause there is a, there is that stage early on when it is kind of just putting out fires <laughs> mostly and just kind of chaotic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's helpful. For women who are listening, who feel like they want to, you know, whether they're like feeling, you know, we're probably all feeling this need for like spiritual growth or like communal growth, personal uh, development and growth. Do you have any just tips for women who want to start thinking and kind of like discerning, like what are the gifts God has given me and also discerning like, okay, what stage of life am I in and what Mm. is he asking of me? And then kind of like taking steps and maybe even like small steps for those of us who are still kind of in the littles um, stage to growing in those ways. I think you do two things. The first one is regularly ask God in prayer. Now, like I said before, this doesn't have to be like a beautiful 30 minutes of uninterrupted, (laughs) amazing prayer time. Regularly ask God in prayer, what is it you want me to be doing? Mm. And I've I've never experienced, and I think most of us don't experience the clouds parting, the bullhorn coming down. No, this is God the Father, (laughs) do this. You know, we don't don't experience that. But if we're asking repeatedly, and then we spend... The other half of the time, you know, it doesn't matter if you're doing the dishes or if you're like putting people down, laying next to them in their bed, hoping they fall asleep, listening Mm -hmm. and just listen to your instincts, listen to the promptings in your heart. So asking Mm -hmm. and listening be the first thing. Mm -hmm. And I, guys, I mean, it can take years. God is, God works in his own time, right? He's outside of time. So don't expect an answer right away. I've never gotten an immediate answer, but asking and listening. And then the second thing would be try making one tiny change. 
You know, sometimes we think, if I may, if I, if only I could overhaul everything in my life, then I would have a chance to know what I really love and what I'm good at. And this woman is going on and on about what sparks her joy, but me, I don't have that. <laughs> if you just make one tiny change and see how that goes. Hmm. One tiny change, I mean, tiny, like getting up 20 minutes earlier. Now, if you're already awake all night long, maybe that's not the change to make, but <laughs> yeah. you know, eating your lunch, sitting down for five minutes, hmm. just a, make a tiny change saying, I'm going to sit here and do some sit-ups and push-ups while my kid is looking at a book. Mm. You know, if it's, if it's something exercise-oriented or, or nutritional or sleep or reach out to that friend and say, hey, do you want to meet once a month? We're going to go through the Blessed She Lent book together. We're going to do it over our phones while our kids are crying in the background. We're not even going to a coffee <laughs> shop, okay? That is not even happening. There are no babysitters and our spouses are not around. Mm -hmm. One tiny change. And it's kind of like any science experiment, right? The hypothesis, and then you see what happens. Like if you make one tiny change, how will that ripple out into the rest of your life? Don't mm -hmm. wait to make big changes because none of us have time for that. If we wait until it's the right time to make some huge change, we're just going to be waiting forever. It's okay to make one tiny change today. Hmm. Oh, I love that so much because I feel like I, I as well have like – oh, these are goal, like big goals that I'd love to do mm -hmm. eventually. But um, that idea of, well, if it's just like a big goal that I'd like to do eventually, like I'm not going <laughs> to eventually That's have fun. like, oh, I have a full day that I could spend yeah. on this big Wouldn't goal. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So just like taking those small steps, like you said, I think that's so, that's great. That's so helpful. So you mentioned with, the gift of you, uh, you have that um, assessment at the, at the beginning of the course that kind of like uh, has like nine, maybe broad categories that people kind of fall into based on kind of what category we might fall into. Do you have like different recommendations of how people would use their gifts? So yeah. So you're asking like, is it correlative? Like if I fall in the quote unquote usher category where I'm always you know, facilitating and rule enforcing and kind of whisking people around and, and making things, making sure things happen in an orderly fashion, if that's my personality type, is that mm -hmm. correlative to here are some actions or activities that you might like to do based yes. on that personality trait? Is that, yeah. is that your question? Yep. That's exactly what I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I leave it pretty open-ended in the course itself. I, I'm providing people with ideas, but it's not super prescriptive simply because I think self-knowledge is the best book. It's the best guide in this path. So if, if someone goes through and they learn about prayer, they learn about how to pray deeper in the second week, and then they learn about how to build authentic sisterhood in the third week, and then they learn about practicing being in the presence of God in the fourth week. And then by the fifth week, they've learned, all right, what are the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit? How do I find them in my life? And they, and they walk through all these things by the end. I think they will have a pretty good idea. So it, it doesn't have like, the usher person should now go on to open a ceramic studio in <laughs> Sao Paulo and hope that people come, you know? Yeah. It's less action oriented and more, now that you've done this assessing and looking and working on yourself, you're going to have a much clearer idea of how mm. to use that gift mm. and wh what you need to tone down in your personality to be able to build sisterhood and, and what mm. challenge you're going to probably face in prayer, you're going to want to overcome and how you're going to deal with a group dynamic 
that makes you uncomfortable based on your personality type so that you yeah. can continue to relate to people. Hmm. So even, even when people have asked me for like, what's the elevator pitch for this course? I feel like the elevator pitch is really long because I'm always explaining what it's not. It's not an aptitude test. It's not prescriptive. Hmm. You filled out these things. This is what we matched you up with. You should be an auto mechanic. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not that. Yeah. It's more a sense of going into yourself and knowing yourself, which is work. And in, in part, I think we all wish someone would just it's like, give us a label, give us an assignment and, and, and let us do that instead of finding within what we're given because we are all unique. And I know that, of course, we know that. But when we start to look inward and hear the promptings of the Lord on our heart, oh my goodness, we're so different one from the other. Sisters in the same family, so different. Best friends, so different from each other. And to know yourself is to be able to say, yeah, I, I now I know myself better in prayer. I am able to access what I think I, what is the correlation here? What should I be doing? What do I want to be doing? I, I love that so much because I think some of us might be gifted like as encouragers or like mm. listeners or, you know, more of a, like a leadership role and to be able to say like, okay, how then do I use this in sisterhood in like developing community or how do I use this in, um, to grow deeper in my relationship with the Lord in prayer? And yeah, so I, I, I love that, that aspect of it, that self-knowledge. I also know that you mentioned there's kind of like a retreat aspect to the course or it's there's an option yes. available for for yes. actually not like an online retreat but like an in-person kind of like I don't know if it's like a weekend or or what it is. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So we so Jenna and I will be out at we have a family property in remote Wisconsin. It's on 120 acres. Oh, and wow. okay. four women will be joining us in April for a weekend of more of this, of going through the course, doing one-on-one -on -one goals, doing one-on-one -on -one prayer, doing group stuff, doing a lot of uh, communing with the Lord in nature stuff. And I, I was blown away. I thought, you know, I, I really want to offer something that's in person. Jenna, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So I thought, you know, maybe no one is going to want to do this. I mean, I They'd have to fly themselves to Minnesota. They don't really know me. I mean, they might, I might be a serial killer. I'm not, I'm not a serial killer, I promise. But I didn't, I didn't, and the, the response, so we had a little application people could fill out, you know, answer a couple questions. And we try to find people that would, I mean, if we even had that many people apply, people yeah. who would mesh well together for, for a weekend. And oh my goodness, Amber, we had so many people apply, like dozens wow. and dozens and dozens of people. Um, which to me also spoke to how much we do want to meet in person, how much mm. we do want to get off of our phones and away from our computers and be with each other as women. We are geared for that. I mean, all people are, but especially us ladies. So that first, we're going to do the first one in April. It's all booked. People have got their tickets. They're set. They're coming. Um, and then I'm hoping that, you know, considering like how, how does it, how it goes, I hope that we'd be able to offer that option again, maybe hmm. midsummer, maybe fall. I, I'm not sure. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, um, uncharted waters in that way of seeing how it goes, you know, and seeing also how Jen and I are able to both balance taking time away from our families to, to do this with these ladies that I'm, I'm super excited about. That's so neat. And I think you're right. The, the response that you received is just 
an indicator of how much we desire and need that in-person, you know, community and connection as well. And yeah, it's, it's so great to have friendships and community online, but there's something about meeting with someone, talking with someone Mm. and having that in-person just encouragement and time to process things together is, um, is so needed and, and so different for, for women who feel like they don't have at this point in-person friends. Do you have tips or encouragement for women who are like in that place right now? Well, first I want to tell them, girls, you are not alone. I have gone through years of droughtness in friendship. Uh, So many of us have. So please don't be ashamed to not have your squad, your besties, your people you can take a million selfies with on Instagram with all the best filters. Like, please, (laughs) most of us, it's a really long journey. So I'd mentioned this earlier, but one of my biggest tips would be to have a friend, you have to be a friend. So for some people, that means continuously putting themselves out there until you find the right match, until you find the right chemistry. It's worse than dating. I feel like female (laughs) friends are just harder than finding the love of your life, honestly, especially (laughs) as adults, especially if you're Mm -hmm. out of college, you're in the workforce or, you know, you're, you're a new mom now and you don't have all the time in the world. And you also don't have opportunities to get together with other adults regularly outside of, you know, if you are working, you see people at work while you're trying to get your work done so you can get back home to your kids. Mm -hmm. Or if you're a mom, maybe you see people at mass, you see people at the grocery store. But with Amazon Prime, I mean, you might not even see them at the grocery store, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, we, we do offer something to Blessed to See that I absolutely love. We started it almost at the beginning of the ministry. It's called Blessed Brunches. So if you want to host a Blessed Brunch in your area, just go to the website and you say, hey, I want to host. I want to get to know. I want, I want Blessed is She to do the work for me and put the word out and get other Catholic women in the area to come over to my house or my apartment or to meet at a coffee shop. It's always potluck. We give you a hostess guide. We totally hold your hand how to do it. But it's Mm. just that. It's an opportunity to bring women together and then see if you connect with them. Mm. It's like a, it's like Catholic speed dating for women (laughs) (laughs) without the dating part. Um, So that's an option. I I've done the good old fashioned, uh, going to the rec center, going to, there's like an early childhood education class. There's like a mommy and me group just showing up because friends are not going to come and find you in your home. I mean, you might feel like you connect with women online, but it's not the same as actually putting yourself out there, showing up, going, smiling at the lady, to the lady at the park, making chit chat, making small talk, being ready for someone to shut you down, being prepared to feel left out. Like putting yourself out there is the only way it's going to happen. And Mm. I, you know, I, I moved back home, like I said, pregnant with my first, started also stalking people at mass. Not not creepy stalking, but like, okay, look at that couple. She looks about my age. Okay, do you think, how many kids do they have? Oh, okay. My husband and I did that. This one yeah. cute couple at our church. <laughs> and they are now one of our best friends. Mm-hmm. And it was like a year of like watching them trying to catch them after mass. We don't have our kids with us. Oh, we'll look really weird if we go up to them without our kids. Oh, we have our kids here. Their kids are similarly <laughs> age. Try to catch them in the vestibule and be like, hey, how about great sermon, huh? Hi, we want to be, do you want to be friends? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so those, that's kind of a smattering of ideas. But coming back to like, if you want to have friends, you have to be ready to be a friend. 
You hear somebody has a meal? Email them a Chipotle e-gift card. Bring them, drop off a lasagna. You hear somebody's having a hard time, they had a miscarriage, they're struggling with infertility, send them a mask card, send them a prayer card. You put forth the effort and eventually it's going to click with somebody. It's going to connect with somebody. I promise that your friend is out there or your friends, they're just waiting for you to find each other. I promise. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned that. And I love that you mentioned that it took time for you and that it takes so time, much time because so much um, time. Yeah. And it, it seems like there's other women, other moms out there that want community and want good friends. And so um, sometimes it feels like, okay, well, I'm putting myself out there. Shouldn't it click right away? Because there's so right. many of us that want this, right. but sometimes it does take time. And um, so I, I love that that was your experience as well, that it did take, oh, you so know, years. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's great. Um, well, Nell, I would love to ask you, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? The last year has been an interesting one. Usually I am nursing or pregnant. So I, I have a two-year-old. She turned two in December. Mm. And the last year I've had a number of health stuff come up. Usually for me, it's health stuff related to pregnancy. This was different. Some autoimmune disorder stuff come up. Mm. Um, and I thought I already had figured out how to suffer. I know how to throw up for nine months. I know how to have issues after a baby. Like I got that down. But in a way, I feel like the Lord has given me the gift of this big question mark, autoimmune, don't exactly know, can't label it, can't medicate it, mm. you know, just kind of waiting for something else to happen so I can get, you know, uh, a diagnosis. And this sounds a little crazy, maybe a little too Catholic, but <laughs> I do feel like it's been a huge gift from the Lord. Mm to learn again, another opportunity to learn how to suffer well, how to actually unite my suffering with his, to, to turn it over to the sacred heart, mm. to, to be able to offer up my discomforts for the women in my life who are going through major stuff, loss mm. of a husband, abandonment of a spouse, lost children, lost income, lost, you know, loss of faith, all the things that we see our sisters go through. I feel like I've been able to journey with them better because I actually have an ongoing non-pregnancy, you know, it's not going to end at nine months, um, related medical thing. So it, it sounds crazy, but I do feel like the Lord's been working in my life, especially in the last six months, but in the last year to remember to slow down and to be grateful for the day because it's a gift mm. and to be able to look at my children and my spouse and say, okay, how do I want to look back and remember this time, this one day I have in my 35th year? How did I spend my day? Was I stressed and running around and yelling at people and trying to get stuff done? Or was I patient and loving and kind and actually did the dishes right after they were ready to be done and actually did the things I knew I should do and didn't just try to avoid my life and escape into the pantry with chocolate, which is a valid way to cope some days. Um, but it's been a gift to see, okay, how do I want to spend my time? I want to spend it with my family. I want to spend mm -hmm. it loving them well and being as fully present to them as I can, which I don't think I could have really had that refocusing on them um, without having this medical stuff. So mm -hmm. suffering is a gift. As much as we all don't want it and we hope this cup will pass from us, it, it really is a gift. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Have you found that something has been particularly helpful with like reminding yourself to 
have that mindset. Like for those women who maybe struggle with some um, like chronic health issues or are experiencing some suffering in some way, is there something that helps you remember like, okay, this is a gift and an opportunity for me to, you know, relate to people who also might be suffering or to encounter the Lord in a deeper way? Or is that something that just kind of took time to develop? For me, so I'll answer that question. Then I'll say my my things. I think that work. I think for me, it's been slow sure. so going. Having these four pregnancies over the last eight years that have been really bad, um, I've become better, more susceptible to our Lord in each of them. So mm-hmm. it definitely took time. It's not like I woke up one day with a halo around my head saying, "This saintly woman's ready to suffer for you." <laughs> no, no, Paul, like Saul on the road to Tarsus, Paul transformation. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely over time, but I think. Uh, two things have helped me. The first one is to realize I can either have a super, super sad day and sad life and I can wallow in the misery and I can not function based on how I'm feeling. And that's, that's an option. I've certainly had days like that, but at the end of it, I just feel emotionally hungover and awful. Mm -hmm. So for me, it doesn't, it doesn't end well to not be able to get outside myself. And the second thing is listening to other women, actually listening to what's going on in their lives has given me great perspective. Mm-hmm. In particular, I think of the regional Facebook groups for Blessed She. I'm an admin in all of them. So I see the prayer requests. I see the, you know, what's going on and all these tens of thousands of women's lives. And man, there's nothing like hearing other people's stories to put your own in perspective. When you're just in your own cocoon, you think the world is ending, the sky is falling. And yeah, I mean, maybe the sky is falling. I am not saying that their suffering is not horrendous. But when we take off our, our brim, maybe our lid on our hat, and we open it up and we like look up at the sky and we see so many other women either have it just as bad or way worse. That that gives me great, great perspective on what I can do with my own situation. Because I, I can't go over to Cal, you know, I can't fly to California and help that one woman. I can't zoom over to Australia and help that other woman, but I I can do something with my suffering for them. Mm. It, it is a gift in that respect. Mm. Yeah, I love that so much. That's really helpful. Um, and now what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? All right, I, I have like a, a Catholic favorite part of my home and then a secular favorite part of my home. Is that okay? Okay, great. Can, yeah, I'd love to hear both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have, we have uh, four bedrooms on our second floor, and one of them is, it's the smallest of the bedrooms, so our kids are bunked up in the two bedrooms, and we have the third, and then this fourth bedroom is this little toy room, and you know when you're encouraged, like, shop your house, so I, I found little things from all over the house, and, and when we moved in here a couple years ago, I just, this little toy room, it's got a comfy day bed in it, it's got, like, little knickknacks up on the top shelf that's above the window, and the kids go in there and they find their books and they play with the kitchen set. And there's just something about this really, it's a very small space. I feel like the radiator is like, takes up half the wall. One of the, and you know how radiators <laughs> are in Minnesota, right? These big yeah. radiators. Uh, it's just, when I feel like the house is in chaos, I will just tidy that one room. And then when I go past it, I'll feel like, oh, there's like a little mm. space for my children to be in. I can lay on the bed with them and read books or, you know, it's like a mm. couch bed. It's not a bed. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite spots. And the Catholic favorite spot, oh man, this is going to make me sound like a real kook. Get ready, Amber. I'm excited. So, <laughs> Let's hear so it. About, 
couple months ago, my husband mentioned to me that he wanted to build an altar with our four-year-old. Our four-year-old is a little boy who just is very tactile. Like he loves hammers and nails. And so it's better to give him something to do with them because left to his own devices, it will be unpleasant, the result. So I mentioned I want to build an altar. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. They ended up building this like almost full-size, enormous altar. Oh my goodness. And it's beautiful. So we, wow. before it was fully pieced together, we brought it up to our third floor into this little den my husband has. It, again, takes up most of the room. Mm-hmm. But the kids, well, I mean, it's got mm. every holy card take to it and like random candle they could find and these vestments and they, they a little kneeler and they, they mm. just go to town. We say our nighttime prayers up there as a family and mm. it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of hodgepodge, but there's something about having, and I mean, if you told me 10 years ago, you're going to have an in-home altar now. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. But I guess I've embraced the weird because the kids love it. So it's not because it's phenomenal yeah. and beautiful and perfect and pristine, but it's just a really nice space for the kids to, for us to say our prayers, for the kids to, yeah. to work out their Montessori offering of the mass with everything they could find from the kitchen. You know how that mm, goes. Yeah. I I love that so much. And my husband, Cameron, and I, we talk a lot about the idea of like our home feeling, like there's certain aspects of our home, whether that be like icons or yeah, candles or different images that mm. remind our kids of church um, so that, you know, when they're at church, they're also reminded of home. There's that kind of like flow. So I just love that. And I love that your husband and uh, your four-year-old, that was something that they did together. What a sweet, just special, special thing. And then, you know, how they've put on all the holy cards and I mean, candles and everything. So yeah, that's wonderful. That I love that. Love it. And um, what have you been loving recently? Let's see. Not the weather. I can tell you that. <laughs> Not the sub-zero temperatures. Yeah. Um, I've been really loving, I don't know if anybody else follows the Blessed Sushi podcast, but they're just coming out mm. with their third season. And I'll go back and re-listen to the first two seasons. I just love hearing it's Beth Davis, who's the director of ministry advancement, and then Jenna Giesar, our founder. And sometimes it's just the two of them chatting, but they bring, I mean, they had Bishop Barron on, they've had just an amazing array of people on to talk about stuff. Those are really soothing voices. So I just, I love to put it on while I'm making something. Um, and then another podcast for my kids that they are crazy about. I, I hope you've heard of it, Amber. It's the Catholic Sprouts podcast. Yes. Yeah. I actually just emailed um, Nancy who runs it to see if she'd be oh. willing to come on the podcast. So we'll see if <laughs> if we can get her on. Yeah. Oh. That's so awesome. She's been a friend through the blogging world for a number of years and everything she does turns to gold. Like she has this talent and this gift, her coloring sheet. She has a Lenten thing for kids this year we're doing, but her podcast, it's five minutes and my kids beg to have it on car ride home from school. They want to listen to it. It's, it's so great. So listening, just listening to things since I don't often have time to sit down, uh, has been really feeling, I've really been loving both Mm -hmm. those things. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll link to both of those uh, podcasts in the show notes as well, because um, I I do enjoy uh, both of those as well. So I think it'd be good for people to check them out and um, if they haven't already. So that's great. And um, do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier? Oh, mom hacks. 
Okay. This is kind of a big one, ladies. Get ready. <laughs> Lowering my expectations. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then lowering them again. That's a great one. Um, one of my biggest frustrations of my kiddos were all really little was expecting them to act a certain way and being shocked that they didn't obey me or they, they didn't they didn't behave that way naturally and then they didn't obey me or they obeyed me only for five minutes and then I had to tell them again and I, I found it affronting and shocking. Um, mm. But one of my favorite books is the, the whole brain parenting. It's these two doctors and it talks about how toddlers' brains develop. Mm-hmm. It, it helped me go from shouting and yelling at my two and three-year-old when he was the oldest to redirecting a million times, but not mm. losing my cool because he wasn't trying to be bad. His brain literally couldn't do what I was asking him to do. Yeah. So mm. having developmentally appropriate expectations has taken a lot of the anger and the frustration out of my mothering. Mm. Um, yeah. And then just being okay with having to change plans having to clean up something that's broken. Like I don't expect my day to go smoothly and I don't even expect to know what my day will hold because my expectations yeah. have been lowered again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. I'm going to have to check that book out because I, I feel oh, like that has been it. a learning process for me recently as well. Um, it can become frustrating, you know, when you're asking your child again and again to do something and then you realize, oh, this is just like, it's not them disobeying me. It's just like developmentally, they're just not at that place right now where they can, you know, take it in and be able to, you know, do what I'm asking. And so I, that has just been, yeah, that's been a learning process for me, I'd say over the last year or so. And so um, I would definitely be interested in checking that book out. That sounds great. Well, Nell, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me and, um, sharing a little bit about um, the new course you have and a little bit more about community and Blessed Is She. And um, I'm just so grateful for your time. So um, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Amber. What a joy. What a privilege. Let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for um, this time to be together today and for all the women listening. Um, Jesus, we offer our, our days to you, whatever they may hold. And we pray that um, we can practice your presence and just know you in our work today, in our relationships, um, and find time to um, seek you in little moments in in prayer. And uh, Jesus, we love you, and we offer this time to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hi friends, I love something Nell shared early on in our chat about giving from what we have and that if we're not already deeply rooted in a relationship with the Lord and receiving the graces of the sacraments, we don't have anything to draw from when we're caring for our children, loving our spouses, and reaching out to friends. So this week, let's take one tiny step, like Nell shared, towards deepening our relationship with God. Thanks for listening in today. You can find the show notes for today's episode at diapersanddisciples.com. Until next time, you all are in my prayers.